Thanks for tuning in to McNamara on Money, a podcast about all things financial. On this podcast, we talk about investments and investment performance. In our practice, we give financial advice to our clients. We know their financial situation in detail before doing so. That's not the case with callers we may speak to on this show. We can't give truly meaningful financial advice because we don't know the detailed financial situation of the caller. Any suggestions we make to callers are generic in nature and meant to steer a caller in the right direction. Listeners to this podcast should consult their own financial professionals before implementing any suggestions we might make. McNamara on Money is heard on six continents and in more than 50 countries worldwide. Now sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Hit my cue perfectly this morning, better than last week. That was different. Lead-in music, though, last week, Tim. Well, oh, yeah, because you, you, you had dad co-host. Yeah. Or I, I thought know. he was going to be the main host. Yeah. No, I know. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. I hope to have a good show planned for you. This is, but I, all of our listeners are lucky this morning because this is my solo debut. I've actually never done a show completely solo before. Been dreading it for for about 20 years, but <laughs> gave me enough lead time. I did, I could, it's tough to get organized and always get guests on the weekend. So here I am solo, but the competitor in me was, I was a little worried to do it by myself this morning, but the competitor in me was like, you know what? My dad does it solo all the time. And if he can do it, I can do it. Right. I think I have a good plan for the morning. I wanted to talk about so, well, I love talking about taxes. As as a lot of people know, I talk about that a lot on the show. I won't get too into the weeds with taxes, but I like to talk about, I like to bear taxes in mind when I talk to people about investing money. And so I guess my title for today's show is take what the tax code gives you. And it's the discussion is really where to put your money when you're an investor. There are different types of financial accounts from a tax perspective and different things to consider when considering where to invest your money. The conversation is, it can, the conversation regarding where to invest your money can be bigger than putting it in a 401k through your employer. That's the very, very common for most people that are investing and saving money, but it can, the, the conversation and the considerations can be bigger than that. It can be more complex than that. And it, and it just depends on your circumstances and how much you have to invest and what your goals are and, and all that stuff. So that's my topic for the morning, where to put your money and kind of take what the tax code gives you. So I wanted to talk about retirement accounts, non-retirement accounts, love to talk about Roth IRAs, of course, and touch on HSAs, health savings account, because actually from a tax perspective, those are really incredible, can be, they're incredible vehicles and can also be pretty incredible investment vehicles if there's enough money in there and, and if people want to invest the funds inside of their health savings account and if appropriate. All right, so this is a call and talk radio show. If you're listening live or live Saturday morning, 781-837-4900. Happy to have some company this morning. If ever there was a day to call in and ask me a question and keep me company, today would be the day when I don't have anyone to chat with this morning. All right, so let's, I guess let's get into it. So when for people that want to invest, and hopefully that's a lot of people, i.e. save for the future, and I guess whether you want to invest or not, really the... Even if you don't want to invest, there are things to be considered regarding taking advantage of tax breaks and and what the tax code gives you, retirement plans, etc. But for people that want to invest, there are different places where you can put your money. So really, there's three decisions when you're an investor. How much do you want to invest or can you afford to invest where to invest your funds um, and then how to invest those funds in terms of the investment strategy. So three 
uh, big decisions there. And really today I wanted to focus on the decisions surrounding where to invest the funds. And we can talk about the how to invest in investment strategies on another show and how much it's been a little while since I did a planning type retirement planning show where we do some projections on the air. So perhaps I'll do that again pretty soon. But today I wanted to focus on where to invest your funds in terms of what type of investment account very common for people to take advantage of 401ks through their employer. Thank goodness for that. They're very convenient. They're very, they're very common because they're, they are very convenient and there are sometimes there's default enrollment and you have to opt out and, and employers are, some employers are good about matching contributions and encouraging their employees to save for the future. So 401ks clearly very popular. Also 403bs, which are very similar to a 401k, but just used by nonprofit organizations, municipalities, etc. Um, so 401ks are very popular, and but there's other types of retirement accounts as well. So just wanted to back up and explain the difference between what we call qualified accounts, a 401k is an example of that, and what we call non-qualified accounts. And then I'll get into Roths being type of a qualified account. So the term qualified, really, I just explained it as meaning like tax qualified, meaning there are some, there's some type of tax incentive or some type of tax break that the government is giving you to put funds into a qualified account. So a qualified account is examples of that are 401ks, 403bs, IRAs, and then there are some other lesser known types, simple IRAs or like a 401k for a small business. And then there's something called a SEP IRA, which is a common retirement plan for a self-employed person. Um, and so these are, and, and I should add Roth IRAs, they're also a type of qualified investment account. Um, and, and we'll talk about uh, Roth separately, but tax qualified means there's some sort of I guess, and tax incentive that is being offered to you to put money in an account like this. Most 401ks, yeah, the sort of the default contribution to a 401k, the tax incentive would be that you would get a tax deduction to add funds to that account. It doesn't have to be that way. You can make Roth contributions and I'll get into that in a moment, but most people are contributing. Probably most common contribution to a 401k is a tax deductible contribution. So every dollar you put in, every thousand dollars you put in, for example, to a 401k in a given year, you're getting a dollar for dollar tax deduction on that. So that could be saving you in if you're if you put a thousand dollars into your 401k over the course of the year, that could save you. It depends on your specific tax bracket that year, but could save you especially if you're a mass resident, anywhere from, I don't know, 17% to 27% and upwards of that $1,000 in taxes that year. So just rounding, if you put 1000 bucks in your 401k, your tax break could be something in the way of you save yourself 250 bucks in taxes that year. And so the tax break that's offered in a 401k and an IRA very similar and a simple IRA very similar is it's a break in that the government is giving you in current year an incentive to put funds away and save it for retirement. So you get to increase your cash flow and your spendable after tax money in the year that you put those dollars into your 401k. 
And then another tax incentive inside of a qualified account like a 401k is what we call tax deferred growth, meaning as your funds hopefully grow, not guaranteed inside of your 401k, certainly most people have years where it it grows and then temporarily shrinks and then hopefully grows again. But any growth you would see inside of a 401k and an IRA and a qualified type investment like this, you're not taxed on that growth in the year. You're not taxed on dividends and interest in the year received in an account like that. So we call that tax deferred growth. And then the tax in a deductible 401k and an IRA, there will be taxes paid at some point, but it's just uh, deferred to the future. So tax break to put money in, tax deferred growth, and you pay your taxes upon taking funds out of the 401k and IRA, hopefully after age 59 and a half when there's no penalty to do. So it's really meant to incentivize people to save for down the road for retirement. So that's a tax, what we call a qualified vehicle is you're going to pay taxes at some point, but we're deferring those taxes until later. And that helps people. Many people that are saving in their 401k are in their years where they're where they're raising families and, and they have paying their mortgage and have other expenses in their life. So in general, it makes a lot of sense for people to receive tax breaks, maximize their after-tax cash flow so that they can afford their life, pay their bills, raise their family, all that stuff, but still be able to save for retirement. It also, if you think about about the way that our tax code works in this country, it does make sense often for people to take a tax break and a deduction in their earning years. We have a tiered tax code in the United States. So the more money you make, the more income you have, the higher your tax bracket, the higher the percentage of your income that is taxed. Not only the people that make the more money you make, not only are you paying more in terms of dollars, but you're paying at a higher percentage rate. We have of tiered tax code. So often it makes sense to take tax deductions in your income earning years, i.e. your higher income years, because you might be in a higher tax bracket in those years than you will be in retirement. That's not always the case, but it's often the case that that doesn't factor in potential changes in the tax code and in the laws. But just if we would assume that tax brackets were always the same, which we can't really assume that, but most of the time it makes sense. So that's a tax qualified account. 401k is obviously very popular for very good reason. We have other types of investment accounts called non-qualified. So another place you can put your money if you would like to be an investor and saver an investor. Another type of account you can put your funds in is called non-qualified. And so you might have heard the term just investment account or brokerage account, or we sometimes we call those individually owned, or if you're married, perhaps jointly owned investment accounts. And these are all types of, or some people have trust accounts where they've done some estate planning and they might have a tr- like a living trust and have some investments and some assets inside of that trust. And so these are called non-qualified accounts. And that just means there's no tax incentive. There's no deduction. There's no tax break later. There's no deferred growth of assets inside of a non-qualified account. So if someone has just an individually owned brokerage account, you might have opened up an account and you have some mutual funds or you're investing in some stocks or something. And it's, if it's outside of your retirement account, that's just a, that's called a non-qualified account. It just means there's no tax incentives. And so the nature of those accounts is you invest $1,000, for example. There's no tax break to do. So you just invest after-tax money. And if you have growth and earnings on that, it's taxed in 
it, it's taxed year over year and then and it's structured differently from a tax perspective when you start to take money out. Very different tax animal than a qualified account like a 401k. Not necessarily better or worse. Depends on the situation. But I can, I guess I could make an argument for where having non-tax qualified assets and investment accounts is actually a good thing as well. And can be a nice complement to qualified money. So we talked about the, the great thing about 401k, maximizing after-tax cash flow. I shouldn't just say 401k. Any type of retirement account, maximizing cash flow in current year, all, all good stuff. But if you fast forward until in, in retirement and you think about if you just saved all of your money in a 401k type investment and then you fast forward to retirement and you're pulling money out and you know, to replace your earnings and looking for income in retirement years, if all of your income is coming out of a 401k or an IRA or a rollover or something of that nature where every single dollar is taxed down the road when you take money out, it's not ideal at that time. People wish they had, oh, I wish I had some place to take money where I wasn't, well, I'm not paying all these taxes. It's it's frustrating to pay taxes, right? It's It diminishes your the amount of money that you have at your disposal to spend. And, and nobody really likes that. And so it's great that we get these tax breaks to put money into 401ks and everyone's all happy about that when the money goes in. And then down the road, it's not, I have to pay my taxes now. And so it can be frustrating at that time. So it is nice down the road and in retirement when people that are taking income and whether it's monthly income or once a year or whatever, or or using their assets to pay for ad hoc things like updates to the home or cars or whatever, it is nice at that time to have a chunk of money at your disposal that not where not every single dollar is taxed on the way out. So we have, so I do think it's for many investors and people planning for their retirement, I do think it's nice to consider tax diversification in terms of how your assets are invested. And that's really something that you have to plan in years before retirement. And most people that are that pull off successful retirements are planning for it in advance, 20, 10, 20, 30, 40 years in advance. It's not too long. And so bearing in mind wanting tax diversification later on, I just think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing to balance where my money is going. And so a non-qualified account, again, just a regular investment and, and brokerage account, is not when you're putting money in there in current year, it's not as ideal as a 401k because you're not getting a tax break. So it's like you just put your money in, there's, there's no tax advantages. And then if that investment strategy, if it, if you own stocks or mutual funds that are paying out dividends or certain types of, or paying out bond funds, pay out interest, for example, as in a non-qualified account, as you have hopefully earnings in that portfolio in the way of dividends and interest, you're going to get a tax document every year where you're going to pay some taxes on that. And then if you sell off share inside of a non-qualified account, if you're, if you invested some money in it and it has what we call a capital gain. In other words, it grows in value. The share price increases. That's the goal as an investor, right? It grows in value. And as if you sold that investment and it growed to a value beyond what you put in, then you're taxed on the growth and you're taxed on that growth in current year. So it's like I explain it as... Whereas a qualified account like a 401k, we call that tax deferred, right? You're not paying taxes until down the road when you actually withdraw the money from the account. 
a non-qualified account is a very different animal and that if, as you're changing investments or selling investments, changing strategies, you can be taxed in current year on any growth. Having said that, you're only taxed on growth, right? If it grows to be more than what you put in, you pay a, pro, a share of taxes due. Capital gains tax brackets, however, are lower than income tax brackets. So there's a little bit of a break there in terms of the type of the amount you'll pay in taxes. Most people, many people are in the 15% long-term capital gains tax bracket. So if you invest $1,000 in a, a non-qualified investment account and it grows to be worth $2,000 and then you sell it, it's not quite this simple because we'd have to factor in if there were any dividends paid, but basically you would be paying taxes on that growth in that example, $1,000, and most people, federal capital gains tax bracket of 15%, plus if you're in Massachusetts, five to Massachusetts. So something in the range of 20%, and the capital gains tax brackets are a little bit more complicated than that, but most people fall within the 15% capital gains tax bracket if it's a long-term capital gain. I think it's married couples filing jointly. You're in the 15% federal cap uh, tax bracket if your taxable income is in the range of 90000 to $550,000. So it's a huge, it's a huge bracket and many people would fall in that bracket. All right, so that's, so, so qualified versus non-qualified pros and cons, qualified deductible retirement plans like 401k, arguably better in the year that you fund them because they offer you a tax break and then arguably worse down the road because when you take the funds out, taxes due at that time on every dollar that comes out. We'll talk about Roths in a moment. Non-qualified accounts, probably for in many situations worse in the year that you put the money in terms of no tax breaks pay some taxes along the way, but those are generally, they're, I don't know, arguably better or they're more attractive or people like them better down the road when they go to take money out of them because they're more lightly taxed at that time in retirement, for example, if you're taking money out of a non-qualified account, you've already paid a lot of the taxes in an account like that because there was no deduction up front and you've paid some taxes on dividends and interest over the years and, and there's no double taxation. So you're just paying taxes on any investment growth when you take the funds out down the road. So it's a better account to have in many people's eyes in the future. Long story short, like you're going to pay taxes now or you're going to pay taxes later. What do you want to do? What, how do you want to play it? And the decision comes down to what's your situation now for people that have tight cash flows, break even or tight cash flows. It's going to be better to just take the tax breaks, maximize your after tax cash flow so you can live and pay bills and have a good quality of life, hopefully in current year and kind of worry about paying your taxes later. And But for people that have maybe higher income and more comfortable cash flows, some discretionary cash flow or income, I would say, then maybe those people want to pay some taxes now and have the benefit of some lower taxes or tax-free income later. So it really is situationally dependent. I think it's actually a great thing to to balance it and do both because the other part of the conversation is we don't know how tax brackets will change down the road, not something we can predict over the next, certainly over the next 20, 30, 40 years. All right. I have a few more minutes. I guess I will start the conversation regarding Roth IRAs. That's one of my 
favorite things to talk about, and I do want to save time to get into HSAs. So let's talk about let's talk about Roth IRAs. So they are, and I probably need at least fifteen minutes to talk about the beauty of the Roth IRA because I've easily done that for two hours in the past. But I'll have to do the condensed version today. I've got two minutes before the break, so I'll set the stage. So Roth IRAs are, in my opinion, a, a really wonderful vehicle from a tax perspective. They're a wonderful place for people to for if, if you want to be an investor I would say the Roth IRAs are great for people that want to be investors I think they're not so beautiful for people that are not comfortable with investment risk because really the beauty in the Roth IRA lies in the fact that the growth and earnings not guaranteed but any growth you would have in there if you satisfy certain criteria will come out tax-free down the road if you're over 59 and a half and have had the account open for five years growth and earnings come out tax-free so for someone that is not comfortable with investments and it doesn't it wouldn't make sense to put money in a Roth IRA and then just have it in cash and take it out later that then you're not really benefiting from the tax incentives in a Roth IRA. So they're really wonderful for investors and they're especially wonderful that for people that have a very long period of time to have that Roth IRA invested because not only are again the beauty is that that growth and earnings in a Roth come out tax free and if you have a long period of time to invest in compound earnings, not guaranteed, that's it's even better. Roth IRAs are great for young savers, in my opinion, and people that are comfortable with investment risk and all that stuff. And I'll continue on that point after the fact. And I do want to talk about HSAs. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed talking this morning about take what the tax code gives you. I'm talking about different places to put your money if you want to be an investor. Qualified accounts where you get a tax break and non. And we'll get into Ross after the break. Just taking a quick break. We'll be right back. When it comes to securing your financial future, trust matters. That's why McNamara Financial, a family-owned company, is here for you. As a family-owned company, we understand the importance of your financial well-being. That's why our team of expert financial advisors is committed to your success. At McNamara Financial, we take your trust seriously. That's why all our financial advisors are fiduciaries and certified financial planners, putting your best interests first. With our team of dedicated professionals, you can rest assured that you're receiving top-notch expertise tailored to your unique goals, Don't leave your financial future to chance. Trust McNamara Financial, where family values meet financial expertise. Visit our website or call us to schedule a consultation today. McNamara Financial, securing your financial future, one step at a time. And we're back. Good morning. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara-Reed. Thanks for joining me this morning, talking this morning about taking what the tax code gives you. I wanted to talk about different place to put investment money. Like I said earlier in the show, most people just a lot of savings in our country is in 401ks and that's wonderful and thank God for that. But the conversation regarding where to invest my money can be bigger than that if you want it to be and if appropriate. And also there are a couple some people have different options in terms of how to save inside of their 401ks. And what I mean by that is some people have the option to add to a Roth 401k inside of their 401k. So just getting into sort of from a tax perspective, different ways to invest money, pros, cons, considerations. And 
I so I opened up the conversation about Roths before the break, and I do want to continue on that. I love talking about Roths. I can't believe I spent thirty minutes talking about qualified versus non qualified accounts too. I don't know. I just when I get on a roll, I'm just on a roll, and it's hard to stop me. And I was all worried about doing the show solo this morning, but and then I it's only really an hour, and then I said I do that five times a day in my meetings with my clients. I just go and go. The McNamaras have a strong gift of gas. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. I know, and I do. I, I, yeah. So anyway, I knew it wouldn't be a problem. But I actually, I do pride myself in my business. I do pride myself on being a good listener too. And my dad, something my dad, my father, my mentor Stuart, told me when I was starting out in my career, like the importance of in our career and being any sort of advisor and consultant is the importance of listening. So I do pride myself in that as well. Of course, I can talk about stuff forever, but but listening is super important. And I always try to remind myself of that. And I actually was just reading an article the other day about how the something about how the quality, people that possess the quality of being good listeners, it's an indication of being really smart. There was just an article about that very recently. Anyway, all right. Roth IRAs, love them. They're easier to access now. They're becoming easier to access now than they were in recent years. And I guess what I mean by that, Roth IRAs have been around for quite some time. I don't know, 40 years or something. But there are... Limited. Not everyone can add to a Roth IRA. They put. They put. First of all, you can't get a lot of money into a Roth IRA. That's a, a lot as a relative term. But they're you're capped on how much you can put in a Roth IRA. They just increased for 2023. Contributions were six thousand five hundred if you were under age fifty. Seven thousand five hundred if you were fifty or older. Twenty twenty four. The new contribution limits for Roth IRAs uh, seven thousand dollars if you're under age fifty and eight thousand dollars if you're fifty or over. So there's a cap on how much you can add to Roth IRAs. There's also income limitations. So I believe in 2024, the new income is you have to have what's called modified adjusted gross income. It's a sort of a calculation similar to your gross income, but it's a sort of complex calculation. But basically, if you're in 2024, if you're a single person, if you have modified adjusted gross income or what we call MAGI of more than $161,000, you can't put money in a Roth IRA and ditto married filing jointly if you're modified adjusted gross. I think if it's over 240000 And then there's like a phase in period too, where you can put partial, make a partial contribution. But anyway, if you're a very high income earner, you can't put money into a Roth IRA. There are but having said that, they're getting money into Roth type accounts has become more easier, has become easier. Many 401ks, so many employers have structured their 401ks where you can make Roth contributions to that 401k. All 401ks are created differently. And the employer in conjunction with maybe an advisor or the institution that's um, holding or custodying the 401k, there are certain decisions to be made and the employer can decide whether or not to to make Roth contributions available. It sometimes can increase. I I think it's not always available because I I don't know if it still is, but has been uh, more expensive to offer the Roth 401k. There's more record keeping and there's more cost to the employer. So if if your 401k doesn't 
make available the option to have a Roth contribution. It's probably just a cost limitation and just a decision that your employer made at some point. But they are becoming more popular. I think it's maybe the cost has come down to administer and make available Roth 401ks. So many people have that option and can get money in that way. And when you have Roth option inside of your 401k, there's no income limitations, number one. You could be a very high income earner and you're not ineligible to to make that Roth contribution. I believe, ooh, I didn't double check on this, but I believe the what's going to phase out is people over 50 are going to be ineligible to make Oh, no, I'm sorry. I scratched that. I, w- people are going to be forced, I think, to make Roth contributions over 50 in, an, in, a, in a 401k. Anyway, that's, that's for another show. That was part of the Secure Act 2.0, but that's for another show. But anyway, some people have Roth options available inside of 401ks. Also, part of what we call part of Secure Act 2.0 is that now people that have simple IRAs, which are based like a 401k, but for a small business or like a lower cost 401k, and they're available to small businesses, I think with 100 or less employees. And SEP IRAs, which are very common for self-employed people because they're actually like a pension plan that you can fund for yourself. Roth, uh, SEP, Roth SEPs and Roth Simples were recently created with some new legislation. So those are now becoming available. So it's getting a little easier to get money into Roths. But Roths are... They're wonderful vehicle because, so contrast a Roth from a traditional 401k. I spent some time earlier on the show about traditional 401k is you get the tax deduction when you put the money in and you pay taxes later in retirement. And oftentimes that makes sense. If you're in a higher tax bracket now, take the deduction. If you're in a lower tax bracket later, take, you know, pay the taxes at that time. That works for a lot of people in a lot of situations. Roth IRA is just the opposite, where if you put money into a Roth IRA or a Roth 401k or a Roth Simple or a Roth SEP, if you put money into a Roth, you're putting after-tax money in there. So you're not getting a tax break in current year. You're paying your taxes on the money that goes into the Roth. But all of the distributions from a Roth, if you're over 59 and a half, and if the account has been open for five years... All of the money that comes out of a Roth IRA is tax-free. So not only are your contributions that you put in, not only do those come out tax-free, which makes sense because there's no double taxation, that, that would always be the case, but all of the growth in earnings that that not guaranteed in a Roth come out tax-free if you satisfy that criteria in terms of having it open for five years or more and being over 59 and a half. So these are really... because So you're getting... The taxes on investment growth in a Roth are basically being forgiven if you satisfy certain criteria. The government is saying, okay, in exchange for your tax revenue now, government certainly wants their tax revenue based on their deficit and the amount of the federal debt that we have. Tax revenue is certainly helpful for the government right now. So they're saying, I'll take the tax revenue now no tax break to put money in a Roth. And in exchange for that, you can have tax-free growth of the Roth IRA funds down the road. So I think that's, I think it's incredible. I think it's wonderful, especially for people that, I guess in two situations, number one, for people that are on the young side, because if you can have a Roth IRA invested or Roth 401k invested for 20 or 30 or 40 years, compounding earnings in inside of an account over a really long period of time can be really powerful. So that's number one. If you're young, I think Roths make a lot of sense. If you're 
and or I guess if you're comfortable being an aggressive, if you're comfortable with investment risk and if you're an aggressive investor. So the, the again, the beauty in these is the earnings are tax free. So if you are aggressive and you have significant earnings in your Roth over and over a long period of time, that's what's so powerful about them is that all of that comes out tax free. So I think it's I think they're great. In those two situations, there are a lot of clients I have, if you're 55 or 60 or 65 and retirement is in in the near future, and if you don't have a lot of time to have the funds in, invested in a Roth, it doesn't always make sense. But that's situationally dependent and really can't be any, I don't know, general guidance there doesn't make sense. It's very specific to personal situations. But I think Roths are wonderful vehicles that should be taken advantage of by many people, especially people on the young side. There are some calculators available online where people can play around with this as well. For example, I just happen to know that bankrate.com has pretty good calculators. I've used them for years and years and they have... For example, one cal- they have a ton of calculators, dozens and dozens. One of them is called Roth 401k versus traditional 401k. So you can put in just a few data points, your current age, your age of retirement, and to the 401k, um, expected rate of return, and then you can make a guess on what's your tax rate now and what's your tax rate going to be in retirement. We don't really know that, but we would make some educated guesses. So just for example, I'll do a quick calculation. I won't spend too much time on it. But for example, let's let's say you're a young investor. Let's say you're 25 years old, just getting out, started in the working world, have a 401k available to you, and you're trying to decide whether I should make a deductible contribution or a Roth contribution. So let's say age of retirement, let's just use 65. So we'll call this a 40-year investment time horizon. For a younger investor, I'm going to do annual contributions of $6,000, which is 500 bucks a month. And then I'm going to do expected rate of return. I'm going to call it 7%. I'm going to put a current tax rate of 22%. Many people are in the 22% tax bracket right now. And I'm going to use a retirement tax rate of 20%. Right now, we don't actually have a 20% tax bracket, but the tax hood might revert back and have that. So basically, I'm just going to use a slightly lower tax bracket later than tax bracket now. And I think for many people, again, I think that's a fair assumption that they might be in a lower tax bracket in retirement. So for this person, age 25, retiring in 40 years, six, 500 bucks a month contribution to the 401k, the calculator is going to do an analysis regarding what is your total after tax or basically like the purchasing power if you use the 401k and take the tax break now, and if you use the Roth 401k and you pay your taxes now and have tax-free income later. But a very key assumption when you're playing around with this calculator, a key assumption is, and there's like a little checkbox on this calculator that says, are we investing traditional tax savings? So what that means is, If you're putting money into a traditional 401k now and you're taking the tax break, what are you doing with the money that you're receiving in that tax break? Are you spending it on stuff in your life? I think in most situations, the answer would be yes. Or are you taking that tax savings and are you investing it? In a per, I I don't know if I should say in a perfect world, but I think it's, it would be great if people were, putting money in their 401k and then using that tax break to to invest, right? But I think it's more common, especially for 
as someone age 25 or even 30, 35 or 40, those are the years where you're trying to save for a home or maybe you're trying to pay your mortgage or raise your family. And so most of the time, I think we would just assume that the tax break you're receiving from putting money in a 401k would not you wouldn't just turn around and invest that somewhere else. So I made sure to uncheck that little box that you're not investing the tax break. So if you think of it that way and we're comparing, okay, this person's putting 500 bucks a month into the 401k versus another option would be putting 500 bucks a month into the Roth version of the 401k. The person that's putting the 500 bucks a month into the Roth version, they're paying their taxes so they have less money to spend in that year. And then they're getting tax-free income later. So they're really actually saving more. The value of that $500 that they're putting into the Roth version of the 401k, you're really actually saving more. Even though it's the same $500 amount in that example, it's, it's going to be more powerful. And the calculator will show that to you. So for this example, it's going to do a projection and after-tax comparison of what does this person have after taxes in terms of spendable, disposable money down the road. We use a 7% rate of return. And this is over 40 years. So the contributions at $6,000 a year over 40 years, total contributions to that account in this example are $240,000. And the calculator will do an analysis. Okay, what did that grow to and what's the after-tax amount? So the in the Roth 401k where there's where it's all tax free later at, at age 65 it's about 1.2 million dollars of spendable after tax money 40 years from now where as that where in the traditional 401k could be the same actual 1.2 million in there but the after tax amount in a 20% tax bracket is $994,000 so a a swing of about three two hundred and fifty thousand dollars down the road future dollars so the calculator is cool because it will show you and depending on the earnings assumptions that you're assuming and depending on the number of years that you're saving over it can show you a staggering difference in the amount of spendable income in which you know depending on the type of account that you choose but really the reason the Roth looks so much better in this example is because 500 bucks a month to a Roth where you already pay the taxes and it's tax-free later is more powerful. You're saving more money than someone who's putting $500 and getting the tax break and then spending the tax break in their life. That's just the way it is. If I do this same calculation and I then go back and assume that the person taking the tax break would then invest that tax break, right? I think most people don't. But there are some people that would. But if I run the calculation, then the spendable after-tax amount for both of those investors would be about the same. The Roth still looks to be a slightly better option. But the but then the, the after-tax spendable amount is $1.2 million versus $1.7 million. So it's very close. Anyway, the calculators are cool for anyone that wants to play around with. Um, Roth versus traditional, oft, you'll you'll find that oftentimes the Roth is going to look better. But if you play around with it for 
like I said, an, like an older investor. So not that 55 is old by any stretch, but I, what I mean by older is nearer retirement. So if I'm assuming like your age 55 and retirement is 10 years away at 65 and we do a similar analysis, the Roth might actually not look better or it might just look a tiny bit better because you don't have as much time to compound earnings not guaranteed in the Roth. So the calculators are pretty cool. All right. Anything else on Ross? What do I have? 10 or 11 minutes, Tim? All right. I do want to talk about, I do want to talk about health savings accounts because, because they're awesome. And I wanted to save some time for that. So Justin and I did a show a couple of two or three weeks ago where we talked about some changes in the tax code and all that. And we touched on HSAs and Roth IRAs a bit. And it's motivated me to go in a little bit more detail on the show today with regard to these two investment vehicles. But let's talk about health savings accounts. It's not something HSAs are... They're not really in my, I don't manage HSAs for clients. They're not, I guess technically I could. HSA brokerage accounts are actually a thing, but I currently don't do that for any clients. It's a little bit cumbersome, I guess I would say, because you have to transfer money between your brokerage investment HSA and your HSA if you want to access it. And it's a little cumbersome in that regard. But anyway, so I think HSAs are wonderful. They're not really a traditional investment vehicle, but they can be an investment vehicle. So first of all, health savings account is only available to people that have high deductible health plans. And the IRS actually has some criteria regarding what is a high deductible health plan and what types of health plans meet these criteria. And high deductible health health plans have become more popular over the years as health insurance cost of health care has increased substantially and health care premiums and the cost to employers has increased substantially. A way for employers to reduce costs and offer health benefits to employees at a lower cost is to offer higher deductible health plans where the employee has before insurance would kick in a higher deductible. So they're paying more out of pocket before insurance would kick in. So I think in 2024, I just looked up the numbers, high deductible health, the IRS criteria is that your deductible has to be to meet the the definition of a high deductible health plan and be eligible for an HSA is that the deductible has to be, I believe, $1,600 for a single person in a given in one year and $3,200 deductible for a family plan in one year. So your deductible has to be at least that high, I believe, in order to qualify as a high deductible health plan. And, only peop- and you can only have an HSA if you have a high deductible health plan. So the HSA is like, a, it's an account where you put money into the account and you get like a little credit card or you can pay bills online and you can pay medical bills using money that you put into the health savings account. HSAs are wonderful because it's, they have the trifecta of tax breaks if used for qualified medical expenses. So what I mean by that is when you put money in an HSA, your own money, you get a dollar for dollar tax deduction. If you invest money in an HSA, which I'll touch on in a moment, you can, you don't have to. And I think you have to meet certain requirements in order to do. If you invest money in an HSA, the earnings grow tax deferred. And if you take money out of an HSA for qualified medical expenses, that, that that's defined in the IRS code, then it comes, then the dollars come out tax free. Tax break on the way in, tax deferred growth of invested tax-free on the way out if used for qualified medical. There's no other type of investment account that offers the trifecta. 
I'm 99.9% sure. Yeah, there's no other investment account that offers that. It's amazing from a tax perspective. So first of all, if you have an HSA, if you have a high deductible health plan and if you have an HSA, hopefully you can take advantage of it. There are limits to how much you can put in and receive the tax deduction. Also, I'm not a health insurance specialist or consultant. If you don't have a high deductible health plan because you have a lower deductible health plan, it doesn't necessarily mean run out and switch to a high deductible health plan just so you can have an HSA. I want to be clear about that. You might be better off just having a lower deductible, i.e. arguably better health plan. But if you have an HSA available to you, certainly worth considering taking advantage of. Contribution limits in 2024 to an HSA are, I believe, $4,150 for us if you have a single plan and $8,400 if you're on a family plan. If you're age 55 or over, there is a catch-up contribution you're allowed to make, which is $1,000. So there's limits to what you can put in. And so a couple things to consider. You can invest money in an HSA. I There are different HSA providers and they might all have their own criteria you have to meet in order to invest. But for example, I think in the HSA that that we use, the provider that we use, I think you have to have at least $2,000, for example, in cash in your HSA before you can invest dollars above that. So if you have $10,000 in there, you probably have to keep a minimum amount in cash without investing in in the regular HSA and then can invest dollars over that. So... You don't have to invest in an HSA, but you can. And like I said, investment earnings are tax deferred in that. So something to consider. And then tax and then and distribution, distributions, money out of an HSA that are used for qualified medical expenses are tax free. So it's really wonderful. And HSA is the money that you put in there. It doesn't expire. It's different from an FSA, a flexible spending account, that's the use it or lose it. An HSA, the money you put in there does, it just rolls forward. It is just at your disposal going forward. They're also portable, meaning if you have a high deductible health plan and an HSA through an employer and you leave that employer and then your health plan changes and maybe your HSA account goes with you, it's portable, it goes with you, that money can stay with you and you can you can still use it for medical expenses down the road. You can, and at retirement, you can't, I believe at retirement, you can't put money into the HSA anymore if you don't have wages, but you can still use the funds in retirement, come out of the HSA and use for qualified medical. So examples of, this is defined in the internal revenue code, um, but just examples of qualified medical are um, like prescriptions, uh, laboratory fees, dental treatments, ambulance services, eyeglasses, hearing aids. I actually also think long-term care insurance premiums and COBRA payments, if you're on COBRA for a period of time, are all considered qualified medical expenses. But double check that with your HSA provider, please. But I did do some quick research on the IRS site in that regard. So HSAs are really cool. And I think that certainly worth considering if you have one, considering if it makes sense to maximize that. I also know some people like you can, you if you put money in an HSA, you can use it in current year. Again, you get like a little credit card and you can use it for your medical expenses. I also know some people that choose not to use it 
and plan and are planning to use it down the road. So pump as bunch of mo- as much money in there as you can, as they can save it and invest it and hope it grows and just y- pay for their medical expenses out of cash flow. Now, if you've got good cash flow, this could be an option for you. If you're a higher income earner, just save and invest what's in the HSA pay your current medical expenses out of cash flow and then hopefully your HSA hopefully benefit from the growth in the earnings again not guaranteed inside of an HSA and use it for medical expenses down the road so some people using it as another retirement and investment vehicle and whether that makes sense for you I don't something to consider and talk to your financial professional regard your financial advisor about or consider it on your own depends on your situation and your cash flow and your tax bracket and your retirement plans and all that stuff but but can but is an interesting concept and can be a nice complement and to other retirement savings vehicles and is very tax efficient i I think HSAs are just about as beautiful as Roth IRAs. In fact, maybe even more Roth IRAs don't give you the same tax break up front that HSAs do. So HSAs are pretty amazing. Um, okay. What? Oh my gosh, do we make it? All right. I was just thinking, how much time do I have? That is great. Thank you for listening, everyone. You're listening to McNamara on Money. I'm Alyssa McNamara Reed. Was chatting this morning about take what the tax code gives you, where to put your money. If you are a saver and investor, there might be uh, different and better places in addition to your 401k if, if available to you. So lots of things to consider. If you miss any of our shows, check out our podcast, McNamara on Money on your podcast app. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. You can learn more about me at McNamaraFinancial.com or more about our uh, business in the Merrimack Valley at McNamaraOfTheMerrimack.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. You can find McNamara on Money on all the major podcasting platforms. New episodes drop every Monday. Tune in weekly for everything you need to know about making smart financial decisions. Subscribe today so you don't miss a single episode.